Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good morning, everybody. January Serious Fightful MMA Podcast. This edition will be an interesting one, as I always have uh, Adam Martin uh, on Mondays, where we try to have Adam Martin every Monday. Uh, so far, so good. Three weeks in a row, we do have Adam. You can follow him online at MMA, at MM, Adam Martin. Yep. Is that right, Adam? Yeah. Got it, man. You got it. There you go. Uh, we're going to recap what happened in Denver with the UFC card in Denver. Some great results, interesting results, surprising results, uh, as well as some interesting news coming out of that uh, event, the post-fight press conference, uh, potential matchups. We're also going to look forward to next weekend's, uh, I think it is next weekend, uh, the uh, return of the Korean zombie. He's taking on Dennis Bermuda's. Uh, not, not too bad of a card. Um, Adam wants to discuss something interesting, obviously something that I like to talk about, uh, which are the rules in mixed martial arts, uh, some of the judging criteria. But uh, Denver is a little bit different than what the ABC and the Unified Rules of MMA are now for 2017. We'll get into that a little bit. And, of course, we have to talk about Conor McGregor. uh, And I definitely hate to – actually, I'll get into it in a bit regarding my opinion on that. But first things first, Adam, we take a look at this UFC on Fox, Shevchenko versus Pena uh, card. Uh, I I was fairly impressed with a variety of fighters. But we'll kick things off the way we did when you and I spoke last Monday. We look at Rafael Asuncao taking on Aljamain Sterling. I know everybody wants to talk about the main event and the co-main event. We'll get there as well as Francis Ngannou. We'll get there fairly quickly. But you take a look at Rafael Asuncao and Aljamain Sterling. Um, Was this a case where you thought, again, Aljamain wasn't able to pull that trigger? We wish he could have pulled that trigger? Or Asuncao is just simply too experienced? Well, you got the pick right, Joe. You picked Asuncao. I I picked Sterling here. Split decision, very close fight, but Asuncao did enough to win. Biggest problem for me with, the, with Sterling in this fight is uh, it's not just <clears throat> not pulling a trigger. It's just he, he, his, his stand-up just didn't look improved, and he's been off for almost a year. And I really thought that in that time since last May when he fought Brian Caraway, he really, he really would have worked on his striking, but it just didn't look good. Um, he looked stiff in the stand-up. His chin was high in the air. Sunsell caught him a few times. Very, very, very poor outing, I thought, even though it was a close uh, decision on the scorecards. Asuncao, he did enough to win. I don't think it was his best performance inside the octagon, but the guy's really good, man. He's 8-2 now in the UFC, Joe. 8-1, or uh, yeah, he's 8-1, I believe, at, as uh, Bantamweight. He had that loss to Eric Koch in his featherweight debut back at UFC 128, but since then, he's just been on a roll. Only lost to TJ Dillashaw, who, who actually also beat a few years ago, so the guy's quite good. Um, just like you said, more experienced, uh, I'm not convinced that he's going to fight for the title again, but I definitely think he's a top five guy in that division. And, you know, maybe he could fight Jimmy, Jimmy Rivera next. That would probably be a pretty good fight. That'd be a good scrap for sure. Um, moving on to the middleweight division, Sam Alvey taking on Nate Marquardt. Um, I, I figured if this fight was going to be a, a stand-up war or just stand up in general Sam Alvey was going to win this fight regardless but I really thought and Reed Kuhn who's a, who's a friend of Nate Marquardt's on Friday said look you, you break down the numbers here analytically speaking you look at the stats you look at the trends this is a fight that Nate Marquardt needs to take down to the ground and keep on the ground don't waste time get it down there as soon as you can uh, and when he did he was getting at the end of that first round you, you saw he had the back there and he was doing much better but Sam Alvey just seemed to have had the answer, and, and Sam Alvey does what Sam Alvey does best. Not necessarily, like you said, not knock guys out, but just pound them with his fists. Yeah, I picked Sam Alvey in this fight. I thought he would get the knockout. Um, Mark Ward's chin held up a bit better than, than I thought, although he did get dropped at one point, I believe, with a jab. But overall, I, it was kind of a poor outing for him because uh, in the third round when he did take Alvey's back, you, you saw the difference on the ground. And I said that going in the fight. He is the better mixed martial artist, but it just doesn't matter. At this point in his career – um, he just, he really doesn't have much of an attack on, on the feet anymore. I know he knocked on McCrory in his last fight, but McCrory's a little bit of an aging fighter himself. Sam Alvey's a very, very, uh, 
durable guy, man. He's only been knocked out once in his career by, by Derek Brunson. So I figured if the fight stayed in the feed, he would have the advantage. Um, biggest problem with the Alvi, even though he did get the win, is uh, he's more of a counter striker. So when Nate Marker kind of laid back in this fight, it looked like Alvi just didn't really know what to do. So credit to him for actually landing a few of those big strikes and getting the win. It was a very close fight on the, on the scorecards. Although personally, I thought it was a pretty clear 29-28 decision for him. Is that it for Nate Marquardt? I keep saying it's, it's it for Nate Marquardt. I've been saying this for like two or three years now, and he keeps coming back and getting a win and then losing again and then getting a win, losing again. Very inconsistent. Um, they'd probably keep him on the roster for, for another fight, but the, the fact of the matter is I think he's been knocked out four times in his last like eight or nine fights. It's not good. Uh, you saw that what Calvin Gastelum did to him a few years ago. Like It was a real beatdown. And, and I remember during that fight in between corners, he was saying to uh, Trevor Whitman, you know, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And then he's picked up a few more wins on, along the way over uh, McCrory, who I mentioned, and C.D. Dalloway. But, uh, you know, those guys are not exactly the best fighters in the world. And, and when he fights guys like Sam Alvey, who are more durable and can take punishment, he's, he's just not there. So maybe he gets another fight, but I personally, uh, I wouldn't mind if he hung them up because uh, I don't want to see the guy get hurt, man. Yeah. And he's, he's got a growing family. Uh, I think he has another kid in the way or just had another one. So uh, I don't know if that brings his family total to three or four, but uh, he continues. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that we've talked about before in the past and throughout the fight for MMA podcast, he's a fighter that in my opinion, no longer has any business competing against the young guys that are coming up in this division. Uh, if he wants to keep fighting, I don't think anyone really, wants to see Nate fight anymore just for his own personal health. But if he still believes he's got something in there, he should be matched in what I call those fair fights against someone who's also quote unquote, an aging fighter, uh, a guy that still has something left in the tank, but just can't compete in the title mix. So if they, if they Mark court can do that. uh, And of course not take damage. Unfortunately in mixed martial arts, you do take damage, uh, but at least minimize that damage. I would have no problem seeing him compete, but the MMA mileage on this guy's body uh, is definitely something else. Uh, One guy who doesn't have a lot of MMA, mileage believe it or not and the way he competes you'd think wow you talk he's not even cerebral he's just crazy he's nuts jason knight and you said it jason fight of the night this guy here is a monster he takes out alex caceres in a manner where even in that in 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 watching him compete inside alex's guard or just even though when he had his back i thought to myself this guy's not a this guy's got mean intentions and Everything he does, and even those strikes when he was striking while on the back, uh, on his own back, I was just like, "Ooh, Adam, this guy does not have any good intentions." Lo and behold, he pulls off this rear naked choke victory in that second round. He looked great, man. He looked great. And think about it, Alex Caceres just went five rounds with Yair Rodriguez, who just destroyed BJ Penn. Look what Jason Knight just did to him. Went in there and pretty much torched him for uh, the two rounds that he was in there with him for. So I, I think this guy's got a lot of potential in the featherweight division. He's three and one now in the UFC. Um, he looks better and better every fight. Like I said, I call him Jason fight of the night because every time you watch him fight, he's exciting. And I loved his post fight interview, Joe. First off, he's, you know, his father passed away, I believe a year ago. So he mentioned that, and, you know, obviously he's extremely emotional because I believe it was uh, exactly one year for, from his father's birthday. So that was obviously a very tough thing for him to, to deal with, but he went in there, did the job. And then this is why I love Joe. He went and called out Korean Superboy called out Duhu Choi and I saw his post fight interview and he was talking to the reporters in the scrum and he's like, you know what? Like, he's like, I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't think I'm going to be a, a title contender in this division, but I'm, I'm here to put on amazing fights with the fans fights that, you know, people go back and say, wow, what an amazing fights fights that I can tell my grandkids about this. That's the kind of attitude I love from hearing from a fighter, man. Like he knows, he knows where he is in the division. He just wants to put on incredible shows to the fans I can't wait to watch him fight again, and I would love to see the fight with Dihu Choi. I think that that'd be an incredible fight of the year type type fight. It'd be amazing. Um, you look up and down these rankings uh, at 135 pounds. Uh, he's nowhere to be found. 145. Sorry, yeah, 145. He's um, he's nowhere to be found. Yeah, I know, I know, but you know what? He might jump in there. Uh, maybe in the, the okay. Well, to be fair, let's be let's be honest. Those rankings aren't very good, but he'd be around. You know, number. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, he'd be about fifteen for me. I mean, Caceres is a pretty solid win. If you ask me, the last couple of fights look great. I, I think it's not just about who you're beating; it's how you're beating them too. So I, I personally haven't ranked about 15, but stylistically, I just think that fight with Yuhu Choi would be really incredible to watch. So it, it, the fact that he went there and called his shot, I love that man. I love hearing fighters say, "This is who I want next," and I think it makes the job easier for the matchmaker. And I think they should just do that fight because I think it'd be incredible. 
Speaking of guys who called out who they won next, uh, first things first, Francis Ngannou takes out Andre Arlovsky in the first round. Uh, no surprise uh, to, to why I, I would have, you know, I'm throwing this number out there to maybe 99% of the people out there uh, that Ngannou was going to emerge victorious in this fight. I mean, the odds were showcasing that and, and anything that I saw or listened to or broke down, um, you know, picked Ngannou to defeat Andre Arlovsky fairly early. Uh, and he did that. Uh, it took him 92 seconds to do so. Uh, but afterwards, he made it pretty clear that Pretty much anyone other than the name Stipe Miocic is who he wants next. And it could be Alistair Overeem, Cain Velasquez, Junior DeSantos. He doesn't care. And the more I go up and down these top 10 rankings, um, other than, than, you know, and you did say Cain Velasquez. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at guys in this top 10, which will get you momentarily. But I think Nganu is going to have a nice little run in 2017. I mean, your thoughts first on his bout versus Arlovsky uh, and what could be next for him? Well, the fight played out like I thought. I, I did pick Nagano to win the fight by first round knockout. Uh, Arlovsky's chain is just not there anymore. He's lost four straight fights, so you could see that coming from all the way. Um, Nagano's just an—he's just an absolute monster, man. I mean, the guy's got, like you said, Joe, like clubs for hands. Even Brian Stan after the fight was like, "Hey, man, can I see your hands? Check out those hands." Like the guy's hands were twice as big as the microphone. It was pretty crazy. The guy's, a, the guy's an absolute monster. If he hits you with one of those bricks, man, you're going, you're going down. Um, not only that, but he, he speaks really good English, which is really key, which is, I think, something that held back, for instance, a guy like Jose Aldo, that always held him back, if you ask me, because he never spoke English and was never able to cross over to that North American audience. This stop, guy- stop, 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 stop. I'll tell you why before, before you continue, because that point is fantastic. And I asked Dana White that very question when Anderson Silva fought um, Dan Henderson. And I said, do you feel that's an issue when a champion in the UFC doesn't speak English and isn't able to cross over like that? And he vehemently disagreed with me because Anderson Silva was to his left, I believe, or to his right, wherever it was. Uh, but I 100% agree when it comes to a guy like Jose Aldo, even when Hannon Burrell was the champion. Um, it's, it's, you should be forced to speak English, but like you say, it could help you a lot in this market here, considering the UFC is going to be focusing a lot more on the North American and English speaking markets. Sorry to cut you off, Adam. Go ahead. No I agree with what you said, Joe, but yeah, as far as Francis goes, the guy's got, uh, well, first off, he's an amazing fighter. Great, great story though. You know, the, his, uh, his kind of biography came out this week. Someone did, someone really interviewed him really in depth for, I believe RDS. And he was talking about how he grew up in poverty in Cameroon, moved to France, was homeless, when he started looking for an MMA gym, you know, was taken in by the gym. They said, you can sleep on the floor here. You can train here. And I look at the guy, man. He's only been trained for over three years now, but four years now, since 2013. Guys, he's just a phenom. Um, I, I truly believe he will be the UFC heavyweight champion. Maybe by the, end, by the end of this year, if not this year, next year. As far as who should fight next, um, after the fight, I was looking through the rankings as well. Most guys are booked. Uh, he did call out, like you mentioned, JDS, who I believe is fighting uh, Stipe Miocic for the title, which I'm fine with. Kane is injured. He's probably not going to be fighting for a while. And uh, he called out Overeem, who's fighting Mark Hunt. I'm fine with those fights. I'd be fine with them. But I, I, I'd rather keep him going since he t- took no damage. Book him quickly. Throw him on another card. Maybe throw him in Buffalo. Throw him in Dallas in, in May. I'd like to see him fight Ben Rothwell. I think that'd be a really good fight. And the reason that was I like- exactly who I was going to say. I know Ben Rothwell's coming off that loss to JDS, but the guy, he's proven to be a top-ranked heavyweight. And here's the thing that I like about that fight. Ben Rothwell is extremely durable. He's, he's got an iron chin, very hard to put away. It'd be a real big task for Nagano to go in there and try fighting a guy like that and putting, knocking him out. If he could knock out Ben Rothwell, I mean, I think you could just give him a title shot after that. Um, people are saying give him Verdun maybe as well. Uh, to me, like, I'm, I'm okay with that fight. I'm fine if they want to give it to him, but I just feel like Verdum is on the next level. And I think to get to that top elite title contender level, you have to get one more win. I'm still not convinced Arlovsky's that win. So I think Ben Rothwell and Nagano, you booked that fight, co-main event in Dallas or something like that. I think it'd be a great fight. So the thing is, though, a lot of the media, <clears throat> excuse me, out there, a lot of the fans out there, they don't understand the development, uh, of, of any fighter. And it goes the same thing when John Jones, before he became champion, he it doesn't matter who George St. Pierre, uh, Anderson Silva, when you get to a certain level, um, and I used to tell, we have a mutual friend. Uh, we, we call him Bobby T, Bob Torrens. Uh, he was a producer over at sports, executive producer at sports. And then now over at the fight network. Uh, and I remember sitting down with him and explaining to him, um, I think it was a UFC event in Chicago. Uh, and I said, look, a, a UFC card, the way they're, they're designed back then, uh, this was before the Fox deal, but in general, a UFC card, when you take a look at how the skill levels are developed, you've got your prelim fights, you've got your televised fights now, and you've got your main card fights. Generally speaking, you can see the difference in 
MMA IQ and skill levels as you move up on a card, okay? And take a look at a fighter, and you realize sometimes why he's at a certain level on the card. And I explained to him, I'm like, just watch the fights. And he got to see Dan Henderson versus, um, at the time, um, Husmar Palharis. And he was blown away. I said, dude, we're still not even close to the main event or co-main event. This is, a, this is just a, a main card fight. And he really got to see the difference of – and he, that's when he started learning about, oh, and I see what you're talking about of the, the different skills. And then you can take that fighter, move him in the rankings, and see exactly where that skill level is. And when you take a look at a guy like Francis Ngannou or anyone in general – People think there's there's so much, you know, Adam, recency bias. The guy wins, he beats Arlovsky, he deserves a title shot. Well, no, he doesn't. If you take a look at his trajectory, you take a look at where he's trending to go, um, he's new to the sport, he's doing an absolutely fantastic job, he's destroying all comers, but he hasn't had a test yet. He hasn't been tested. What is going to happen when he has to go three rounds, hard three rounds? Ben Rothwell is that perfect example. It's hard to put away Ben Rothwell. You got to really beat this guy down and hope the referee thinks Ben Rothwell is in trouble. Um, there's other guys in this division. The more you go up and down, that will test in Gano. DeSantos will test that striking, as will Overeem. You can say whatever you want about Overeem. Overeem still has a lot of power, maybe not that speed, but he will test in Gano. And in Gano moving up there, like you said, Verdum is on a different level. Velasquez is on a different level as well, despite the fact that he's injured. Velasquez, if he wants to take you down on the ground, he'll probably take you down on the ground. And we get to see Ngannou's uh, takedown defense again. Something very important when, when you want to become a champion. Because in my opinion, you look at the champion in this division, he's not an easy guy to beat. And I don't think Ngannou's a shoo-in to beat Stipe Miocic. That will be a challenge. And there's no point in putting him in there right now to hand Ngannou a loss. Build him up. Do it properly. Let him earn his way up there. That way, when he gets to a championship fight, he's ready, and it just makes for a better fight for all the fans. I, I agree 100%. There's no, there's no point in rushing him. Like there, there's, a, there's a few contenders right now in heavyweight division, which is a nice nice problem for the UFC to have. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I think Rothwell's the perfect guy. Like you mentioned, I think the only time he's been stopped by strikes, I believe, is the Kane fight. And, and like you said, the referee had to, like, basically pull Kane off of him because he thought he was taking too much punishment and he's still complaining about the stoppage. So that's a tough guy. Put him in there. Let's see how let's see how tough he is. And like you mentioned last week, Joe, we haven't seen his heart test yet. You know, I think it's going to be good. I, I have a feeling he's going to be extremely, extremely tough in those in those later rounds. He's going to really dig deep, but we haven't seen it yet. So I want to see that first before he gets a title shot. Uh, we move on to the co-main event, which is a bit of a curveball to the welterweight division in mixed martial arts uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, Donald Cerrone was on this run, and he was talking about fighting either Damian Maya next or Robbie Lawler next. And, you know, quote-unquote, I hate to say Dana White had the good quote, pump the brakes, talking about something else. But that was something I had discussed all last week. Like, wait a second, you you got Jorge Masvidal to deal with first. If you think he's a pushover or a walkover, you're in big trouble because, as you and I know, Adam, Masvidal will fight to whatever's put in front of him. That's been his knock. He doesn't, quote-unquote, pull the trigger. He will fight to whatever his opponent gives him. But when he does determine and decide uh, to pull the trigger, and this goes back to his days long, long time, even before he was in strike force. this guy's a bad, bad man. Uh, you watch any of the stuff with him online, uh, some of the Genghis Khan film stuff, it's just fantastic. The guy's an out. He will wager on any- He'll wager as to which elevator will come down next. You press a button and he thinks that one there for fifty bucks, that one there for five hundred bucks. He's just that guy. He's just you'll bet he's got two hundred thousand dollars on the line right now with Dana White. Masvidal is a bad man, but this whole Cerrone thing of him getting knocked out. Reed Kuhn mentioned this on Friday and said, "Look, Cerrone was just in there with Brown uh, in Toronto. That was not a long time ago. That was." He needs to rest. He needs to. He's going to get hurt if he gets rocked. He's going to get rocked. He's not going to be able to recover. Lo and behold, that's what we saw happen. Uh, the, the other thing that reminds me is when I interviewed Greg Jackson uh, in Orangeville, uh, Adam, a while ago when, when Cerrone was on that fantastic run and then he met Nate Diaz and it was just like, who's this Cerrone guy? He just got beat up pretty bad. And, you know, Greg Jackson said he fights too much. He simply fights too much, but you can't stop the cowboy. The body, the electrical system in the body has to recharge. It's true. It just has to settle down, relax. Faraz Ahabi tells his fighters all the time, doesn't care if they win in the first round. You don't come to the gym uh, for a week. You recharge. You go do something else. Go eat. Go get fat. Then come back to the gym. And I think we saw it again with Cowboy Cerrone, who we all know could beat Masvidal, but he's just fighting too much. Yeah, you know, this is the only... Uh, fight I got wrong on the main card as far as picks go. I thought Sorny would be able to edge out a decision, and the fight actually was kind of going the way I thought because early on he was looking pretty good. His kicks looked good. 
But he got caught, man. And at the end of the first round, he started getting caught with the punches. Masvidal's boxing was really starting to shine. And then he got dropped at the end of the first round. And honestly, I think Herb Dean made a big mistake not stopping that fight because he went to the second round. It was just – he was basically on wobbly legs the whole time before he got finished. It was just unnecessary punishment. Um, I think uh, Masvidal looked amazing. I don't want to say that. So I, I don't want to take anything away from George uh, Jorge Masvidal because – this was probably the best performance of his career. It really puts him in a great spot in the welterweight division. But I just want to get back to what you were saying about Sorny fighting too much because I think it's definitely a fair point to bring up. Like you mentioned, the Matt Brown fight was six weeks ago in Toronto, and I was there for another fight, Joe. So were you. That was a war. That wasn't an easy fight at all. He took a lot of punishment in that fight, took a lot of head strikes in that fight. Like Riku mentioned, uh, you have to take time off, and and, and he didn't. So, um, you know, I, I guess looking back now, it was – it's not too shocking when you think about it. But then again, Sorony's a really tough guy, and it's, it's hard to finish him. So the fact that Maswell is able to do that really elevates the stock, man, in, in my eyes anyways. And I just want to say, Masvidal, he's another one of these fighters that – well, Sorony's one of them too, but Maswell's another one of these guys that his, was like, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm killing myself cutting weight to make 155. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to move up a weight class. And since he's moved to 170, 4-2 with three knockout finishes – Last two fights, knockouts. Ellenberger and Cerrone, two great wins. Only losses are split decisions against Benson Henderson, who's a great fighter, and Lorenz Larkin, who's a great fighter. So this guy's looked amazing at uh, 170, and I, I truly believe he's a top 10 fighter right now, possibly top five. Really curious to see who they give him next. You know, I was I was saying maybe if Carlos Condit wants to fight again, I'd love to see that fight, Masvidal versus Condit. I think that'd be great. He said he wants to fight either Diaz brother. I'm fine with those fights as well. Give him a good fight. Give him a big fight. He deserves it. He's been he's been around the block for for a long time. He has over forty fights in his career. Underrated guy. Underrated career. Was was happy to see him get that win. I'm just looking at the rankings right now, Adam. Uh, all you guys have vote for these rankings. <laughs> Masvidal better be in your top ten. Yeah. Because right now he's at number twelve. If he doesn't end up in your top ten. Should be embarrassed. Uh, I did eliminate myself. I'm sorry, remove myself uh, from these rankings a, a while ago, and it's just I don't know what to think. Sometimes I do understand some people's logic uh, because rankings technically are subjective. Uh, but if you can prove to me why you have somebody higher than what I have or lower than what I have, cool, whatever. But Masvidal does. He's at number twelve now. He does belong, um, you know, in the top ten right now. When you look at that top ten, obviously uh, Tyron is the, as the champion. You got Stephen Thompson at one, Lawler at two, Maya at three. I'm okay with that. Carlos Condit at four, Cerrone at five. Now Masvidal just took out the number five guy. Uh, I've always had this theory. Uh, it doesn't always work, Adam, uh, because you got things that you need to sort of consider. Uh, but I used to consider ranking spots like a title. Okay. Yeah. So Donald Cerrone is defending the number five ranking spot to the number 12. If the number 12 wins, then I used to say, you know what? He, he beat the number five fighter. That makes him number five in the world. Okay? Doesn't always work out that way. Majority of the time it does. But Masvidal, just on that victory alone, you took out the number five fighter, you get to move up. But then at number six is Lorenz Larkin, who has a victory over uh, Masvidal. So maybe you move Lorenz up, you move Masvidal there, and Cerrone drops to number seven. Uh, you got Magny in the top 10. You got Rick Story and Gunnar Nelson rounding that up. Um, it's going to be a challenge to see where Masvidal ends up. Uh, I do like that fight with Carlos Conde. I know Carlos Conde was, was kind of contemplating what he should do next. Uh, I do like that fight there. But Masvidal, um, you know, if, if I'm not mistaken, he is in his is it early 30s. Um, but this guy, not that he needs to pick up the pace, Adam, but uh, it was 32. So he's 32, uh, just turned 32 in November. Um, he's not getting any younger. And at 32, according to the stats, is when your career as a mixed martial artist, the plateau ends and you start going down. So uh, Masvidal wants to fight for that title. Uh, he doesn't have to go on a Donald Cerrone fight every six, seven weeks sort of thing, but he's going to have to pick up the pace. So it'll be interesting to see who uh, who they put in there next. Um, I like I do like that Carlos Conant fight. I think you made a fantastic analogy there. Um Dunyan Kim is there. Interesting. Well, Robbie Lawler, he won't fight because they're teammates, right? Even Neil Magny is a good fight too, I think. You know, I think that'd be a fun fight. Like, any of these fights make sense. A lot of people were saying Lawler, but um, I think they're good friends because they trained together ATT for years, right? I don't, yeah. I don't see that fight happening. And, and honestly, I, I think Lawler's got to take it easy a little bit too, man. That's another guy that, you know, got knocked out his last fight. Like Cerrone, fighting a bit too often against top guys. So we'll see. All right. Main event. The bullet, Valentina Shevchenko 
uh, basically put a bullet in my theory uh, in terms of how she was going to win this fight versus Juliana Pena, who I firmly believe is a fantastic fighter. I just think Valentina is just that much more, just better leading into this bout here. Uh, although, in my opinion, Pena could have won this fight with her ground and pound if she was able to execute it properly. But Valentina Shevchenko proved that she's a real mixed martial artist because it wasn't like she tapped out someone who's not even ranked. She taught, she tapped out a lady who was on a trajectory to take on Amanda Nunes. Now, Shevchenko pulling off the submission kind of pissed me off because I never talked about it in my article, Adam, when I talk about my fun bets, uh, which I generally write on Fridays. I kind of give people the option to take a look at, hey, you know what? Don't just bet on the winner of a fight. Take a look at a potential prop that could bring you a lot more money. Uh, and it's just more fun. You don't have to drop that much money to make a lot of money. And man, do I, am I kicking myself for not picking Shevchenko via submission in this fight here. Did you see this coming? Uh, and what are your thoughts on that main event bout? Well, I picked Shevchenko to win, but I thought she would win in the striking realm. I didn't expect her to, to win on the ground. Having said that, I think the signs were there because you look at that fight with Sarah Kaufman, her first fight in the UFC. Where did she beat Sarah Kaufman? She beat her on the ground. And that was extremely impressive because I have a lot of respect for Sarah Kaufman. But here's the other thing I want to mention. I think people were, were uh, looking at her striking. I think that's totally fair considering what she did to Holly Homer last fight, including myself. I was look, I was thinking she was going to strike. Look at her record, Joe. She has more submission wins than knockout wins. She's a very well-rounded fighter, extremely well-rounded. The fact that she was able to take Juliana Pena down to the ground and tap her with an armbar is extremely impressive. Earns her a title shot. And I, I honestly think she has a really good chance of beating Amanda Nunez. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In that uh, rematch, you saw the first fight last year at UFC 196. That was her second fight in the UFC. She lost the first two rounds, and she came on strong in the third round. And if that fight was five rounds, she probably would have won the fight. It was three rounds, though, so Nunez won the fight. Um, I think she's an extremely talented fighter. She's uh, very marketable. She's, she speaks really good English. Um, she's a good-looking woman. I think she's an amazing fighter. I think the UFC has a potential star in their hands here. So it was really, it's a really big win for her. I'm glad to see her get that win. During the, I think it was the post-fight interview, we'll get to Amanda Nunes, Valentina went off on this dance. (laughs) Did you practice that dance for this podcast, and will you do it right now? I won't do it. No, I can't dance, man. Never, never. But she she was amazing at that dance. I got to say, that that gif is floating around everywhere now. She's cool. She's a cool chick, man. I like her. She's awesome. Is Ben Rothwell jealous of that dance? I thought Ben Rothwell had the best dance ever, so I I would say he's true. That thing was so cool before he did that one time with Vaughn Mitchell. <laughs> what, what 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 was it called? Like, what do you call that Ben Rothwell dance? It's got to be. There's got to be a name to it. It's just like a, uh, uh, I don't know. It was like a, a standing seizure. I shouldn't say that, but yeah. But anyways, um, Shevchenko and Nunes. Now they brought in Amanda. They flew her in. Uh, you know. I was with Amanda. Amanda was in Miami when I did Titan uh, just last week. Lo and behold, she's in Denver. Obviously brought there for a reason. Good on the UC for doing that. And, you know, they brought her missus along and Nina Ansaroff, who was sitting next to her. But Valentina wins. Nunes goes into the cage. They had their little back and forth. Uh, thankfully, it didn't escalate. I didn't think it was going to escalate. But good on Valentina for basically saying, look, man, you can talk all you want. I'm going to beat you. And And, you know, in essence... Amanda's like, everyone says the same thing. I'm going to beat you as well. So it's just, you know, this is setting it up to be a very nice fight. I'm, I, I'm looking forward to this. I'm just wondering, uh, like you said, there's a star. There's a potential star in your hand with Valentina. She talks good English. 
beautiful girl. Uh, and I love Amanda as well. I think they're both beautiful girls. But to promote this fight, because in the Amanda fight versus Rousey, it was all Rousey. I mean, let's face it. It was all Ronda and easy to promote that fight there. But now you've got two people that the general public don't necessarily know just yet. Okay? But Valentina fighting on Fox and this happening on Fox will kind of open up uh, some eye or some eyeballs and put some attention to this, but not as much as a, a Ronda Rousey. So promoting this fight, in my opinion, could be a challenge. In, in my opinion, it's going to have to be a co-main event. We'll see. We'll see because I think Nunez got a lot of exposure fighting on the last couple of cards. He fought Ronda at UFC 207 that did over a million buys and, and UFC 200 when she fought Misha Tate was the main event of that card, did over a million buys and she was on the Conor McGregor Nate Diaz card which did well over a million. So she's got quite a bit of exposure in her career. I still think she could be a star too. Um, and like you said, Shevchenko just on the Fox card, I think I saw the ratings were like over 2 million viewers which is incredible for that card. So um, I think the UFC should put them on pay-per-view. Uh, I think it would be a mistake to put them back on Fox. I think you have to keep putting these titles on pay-per-view. I think that's their plan. So um, it's going to be interesting to see if it is a main event or co-main event. I, I'm not against them doing it as, as a main event, though, just to see what kind of drawing power they have. But I think it's more likely you see it as a co-main event underneath um, a men's fight in the headliner. I, I mean, there's a there's a couple of ideas that I would have to promote Amanda Nunes, uh, and I think it could work. Uh, but you know, who am I to say? Uh, the UFC knows what they're doing. They're a mass marketing machine. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it would have to do with the uh, the lesbian and gay community. I think she could just take that by storm and really put that uh, on her shoulders, and then be a, a great role model uh, to anyone in the you know. To, to look and say, look, man, I could become something huge despite what society may think of me. I mean, so Amanda, and then she's just, she's got this charisma, Adam. You should have seen her at Titan, man. She's just, and I was, I'm, I'm trying to call fights, dude. And I'm looking back, I'm like, she's just reeking chemistry. Yeah. Just like, just look at you. You own this place. And you're not even fighting. So good for her. And uh, and, and, and Valentina, that dance, you know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm officially in love. You know, yeah. this is just, she's just, I was, at first I was like, my son and I are like, what the heck? the heck kind of dance is that rewind it and i'm like that's actually pretty cool like that's got to be some traditional dance which is fantastic but yeah like you said i mean this this division and don't count juliana Pena out just yet yeah it's a knock it's it's she'll go back uh to the dressing room back to the drawing board back to the gym and she'll come back stronger than ever sometimes you need this and part of that in my opinion adam was you know she not that she mentally checked out but that injury to her shoulder when she said her shoulder was injured to get caught like that, you make you tend to make mistakes because you're constantly compensating when you're injured. When you're fighting and you're injured, you're not making 100% correct decisions. So you're compensating. That compensating got her caught, in my opinion. Yeah, it could it could have been. I, I think she was a bit overconfident coming into this fight, You know, talking about how the fans should be grateful to watch her fight. I know that's fight talk, but still, she seemed overconfident. And I just want to say, uh, earlier in that card, they interviewed her coach, Rick Little. And I don't know Rick personally, and, and I've heard he's a good coach. You know, He's coached guys like Michael Chiesa, Sam Cecilia, other successful fighters. But, man, it, he came across very poorly, Joe. I don't know if you saw that interview. They were asking him, you know, how did you, uh, how did you guys compensate for the altitude in training? He's like, you know, he's like, I don't know. He's like, we didn't do anything. And it's just like, uh, mm-hmm. head coach, you know what I mean? And think about that. That first round, she expended a lot of energy in the clinch. You know, I'm, I'm not saying she totally gassed out, but I, I think she was definitely tiring. It was just a very strange interview. It's almost like they were just overconfident. They could just go in there and steamroll her, just based on the fact that Juliana generally does have that endless gas tank. But Denver's a different beast, and uh, we saw what happened. Absolutely. Um, you said Denver's a, di- a different beast. They chose not to follow the new unified rules of mixed martial arts, which sucks because that confuses fighters, and it's just stupid. Yep. No, I'm with you, Joe. That's the point I made. It's not just about the viewers and, and the judges and the refs. It's about the fighters themselves. They're they're getting confused. And it was funny, actually, in uh, in the lead up to the fight, uh, to the car on Saturday, they were interviewing some of the fighters like Masvidal and Cerrone. And they were like, you know, what do you think of the new rules and the fact you're not going to be able to use them? And, and both guys were like, oh, he's like, the UFC has Masvidal and Cerrone. They're both top five guys in the world, right? They're, they're like confused about the rules. They were like, we haven't even heard anything from the UFC yet. We don't know the new rules. Those are top five fighters, Joe. 
that's that's a lack of education on the promotions part and on the part of the commissions. And the fact that they're going to different states now, and there's last week at Phoenix, there was the new rule set implemented. Then this week it's not. And then next week, I'm not sure if it is in Houston. I have no idea if Houston in uh, Texas is going to implement it. I'm assuming they aren't. So we, I don't really know. It's very confusing. It's not right. And uh, they, they really should have thought this through before. They just went out there and, uh, and put these new rules out make, to make sure all the states were, 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 were okay with doing it. I agree. Uh, partially. Okay. Commission's fault. Yep. UFC's fault. Okay. Fighter and management's fault as well. Sure. Yeah, great point. Great point. You're right. It's their career. It's their client's career. They, they should be educated on it. Um, you don't want to go in there and throw in a legal knee or whatever and, and, and lose by disqualification. So great point, Joe. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, okay. I want to be careful how I say this. Okay. Um, we're going to move on to Conor McGregor, and only because I said it when I did the Gentleman's Expo with George St. Pierre last year. I said it, I think, towards the end of my career or my tenure at Sportsnet in 2014. I said it throughout 2015. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Conor McGregor. Uh, I, I like what he does because from day one, he got it. I remember when he tweeted me in front of Dana and, and uh, you know the likes of Kevin Ioli, Ariel Helwani. I was covering. I forgot what event I was covering in Vegas, uh, but Dana had said, "Look, man, easy with this Conor McGregor guy. We're not going to throw this guy to the wolves." And I tweeted that as you know, Dana White just said that uh, you know they're not going to be throwing Conor McGregor to the wolves. And Conor immediately replied to me and said, "Tell him I eat wolves for breakfast." So this guy knew it back then. But I also said, with this type of personality, there's a good chance. Uh, he's going to be a massive headache for the UFC. And I've been saying it for a while, and now we're starting to see it. Uh, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, I hate people that say, I told you so. That's not what I'm trying to get at here. What I'm trying to say is, this has been there for a while. This has been going, I, you, you, this is something you could have seen with Conor McGregor, that this is a guy that's not going to take any BS from the UFC and has no problem you know, challenging the establishment. Um F the UFC, I think it was F Diaz, F Mayweather. Uh, you know, it was called counter programming. Him doing this was it five dollar pay per view to for people to listen and talk while the UFC is going on. Uh, this guy, you know, love what he does. Great fighter, great promoter. Uh, I'd love to see him compete, but is becoming more and more of a pain in the side and a headache to the UFC than uh, than you thought. Um, maybe. I mean, uh, I think it's I think it's fair though. I mean, the guy's an absolute monster, man. He's basically the promotion right now. That's what people are watching the UFC for to see Conor McGregor fight, and and he holds he holds all the cards on the deck now, man. So I, I definitely think it's fair to say he's, he's been in a pain in, pain in the ass to Dana White and and the new owners, but uh, the, the guy the guy the guy knows his worth, man. He knows his worth, and and he knows that uh, there's a lot of interest in this fight with Floyd Mayweather right now. Um, I don't know, man. Like I, I think there's still a chance. Dana White talked about it. I don't know if you saw the post-fight press conference yet, Joe, but he talked about it and said he has a better chance of being Tom Brady's quarterback this weekend yes. at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Which is weird because like two weeks ago he went on Colin Coward's show and said, Yeah, you know, this fight could happen and we're offering he made an offer. Like it wasn't a good offer, obviously, but he made an offer. So it's kind of strange that this happened, but it's almost like he's kind of pulling back now and saying, Hey, you know, hey, what's what's going on here? Wait a second. So and I'm I'm curious to see what's gonna happen. Uh, from from what Connor said, I didn't watch the pay review. There's no way I would ever pay five dollars to watch some some guy talk, even though it is Connor. He's awesome. That's um, amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. He said that uh, that's the fight he wants next. You know, he's like, I don't want to fight MMA. I want to go in the boxing ring next. So, what do you think, Joe? Is it going to happen? No, 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 no. Although, although there's an article that Sean Ross Sapp, uh, managing editor for Fightful of MMA.com and Fightful in general, uh, said that there's an article out there that shows a loophole in how Conor McGregor's license, uh, he can get that boxing license and how he can fight Floyd Mayweather in the UFC. He can do nothing about it. I haven't found it yet. I'll try to find out what site it was on. Um, I, I don't think it's going to happen because the UFC will do anything and everything to block uh, Conor McGregor. And we have to understand something. The UFC has an exponentially more amount of money than Conor McGregor. So if this thing has to go to court, and you know we could say all we want that Conor McGregor, he is the biggest draw in the UFC right now. He is he does hold um, all the cards for his career, but he doesn't hold anything for the UFC. If the UFC wants to shut him out, they will shut him out, and he will never fight for the UFC again if they choose that. 
Uh, he could say and do whatever he wants, but they will trap him because of that contract. Now, if there's an out in that contract, I don't know about. No one's ever been able to figure it out. Randy Couture couldn't do it. George St. Pierre hasn't done it. Um, unless you're you're done your fights, you compete in all your fights. If you have fights left on that contract, that thing is pretty much ironclad. So that's where you would see a Conor McGregor potentially join in that in the in the fight with the you know mixed martial arts fighters association. See him jumping onto that. But if the UFC wants to freeze him, and they they can freeze him, and they can keep their mouth shut and not talk about Conor McGregor at all. Um, Media can ask whatever they want to Dana White during post-fight press conferences or pre-fight press conferences or interviews, and he could just, you know, land-based him, bury him. Uh, I just think the UFC is far more powerful than Conor McGregor, and but Conor McGregor is doing, in my opinion, the right thing, which is basically what we're going to look back now. So it's January 2017, come 2018, come 2028, come 2038. Um, Adam, we're going to look back at the days like this when we saw the, the, the guys like George St. Pierre and the fighters and the Conor McGregors challenging the UFC and changing the way the sport is run. Conor McGregor, in my opinion, would do absolutely fantastic in the world of boxing because he's better than any promoter, any boxer other than Floyd Mayweather. Uh, Floyd was able to build his career on doing what Conor McGregor does. And Conor McGregor can do that in boxing far more easier and get paid a lot more money than he can in mixed martial arts under the UFC banner. I just want to bring up one of the things you said. You said uh, you mentioned the union. Actually, I think Connor did mention this during his uh, interview the other day with Ariel, and he said that you know he he would support the union. So that's definitely something to to keep uh, to keep in mind going forward. Um, it's just crazy to think, man, because one year ago he was about to fight RDA. He had lost. He just lost to Nate Diaz, and now a year later he's uh, he's got two belts in two different divisions. I guess one was stripped, but still he he won two belts, and now he's going to try to fight Floyd May- Mayweather in boxing. Um, I definitely think all your points were valid about, uh, you know, the ironclad contracts bringing up Randy Couture's situation from years back um, with his lawsuit with the UFC and, and GSPs. Um, just, you know, I guess the only way I, could, I think that the fight could happen with Floyd and, and Connor is if the UFC is co-promoter or promotes it themselves. But we've seen in the past, they didn't, they didn't want to co-promote with Fedor. Uh, I know Connor's a huge star, but I'm a star, but I'm not sure if, they would go to that length and, and do co-promotion. Uh, and the other thing is, <clears throat> obviously, it would be a boxing match. Um, how's that going to work? Because if it's a UFC card, they're, they're going to have an octagon. Are they going to have a ring beside the octagon? So they're going to have this huge space taken up by a ring and an octagon? Like, I'm not sure how it's going to work. So there's a lot of, like, logistical issues to go through. Besides the fact that these are two guys in two different sports um, that have contracts in different sports. So... It's pretty crazy, man. But I just think the fact that we're even talking about it, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is, is, is pretty incredible. It just shows that, that Connor really gets people in, invested in him and in, into his fights. And, um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I think it's a really int- intriguing matchup. I, I, I don't think Connor wins, but I, I want to see the I want to see the fight. So. Yeah, they say sometimes success in mixed martial arts or in general, you know, you, you got to catch lightning in a bottle. Conor McGregor's more than lightning in a bottle. This guy's fantastic. He gets it. He understands it. Uh, he's going to be a trailblazer. I mean, if he does it right and 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 takes every one of those pieces of that chess match or that chess game and move them, moves them correctly and aligns them. Uh, he, he could go down in history as, as one of the men or people or fighters pivotal in changing mixed martial arts uh, in general, uh, the, way, the way it is right now. And I know something very near and dear to George's heart, uh, St. Pierre, that is with what he's doing, because if he can't fight, then he's going to make changes for the future. Uh, and Elias Theodoro, we, we tweeted it and we talked about it uh, on FightfulMMA.com. He says, George St. Pierre is always on the right side of the story. Uh, let's hope Conor McGregor can do the same thing, just for the betterment of mixed martial arts. Let's move forward. There's a guy that's competing on Saturday who hasn't competed in a very long time, a guy that you absolutely adore. Uh, we all do. The Korean zombie, despite the fact he beat up Mark Hominick in Toronto in like seven seconds or 10 seconds or whatever it was. So we don't like him for that. But other than that, he's back. And we're looking forward to him competing. He's competing in the main event this Saturday against Dennis Bermudez. Uh, let's go quickly through this main card because uh, we don't have much time here. We'll, we'll, we'll go quickly here until we get to the main event. It'll be kicked off by Jessica Andrada taking on Angela Hill. Angela Hill's back. Looking forward to seeing her compete in the octagon. A women's strawweight bout. Your thoughts? I'm not completely sold on Angela Hill just yet. Uh, I know she's picked up a few nice wins in Invicta, but the level of competition in Invicta is not as high as it is in the UFC. And Jessica Andrade has been, just been an absolute buzzsaw since going to the strawweight division. Um, I think I think she has the, a real chance to, to be a title contender in this division. I think she probably will get a title shot if she wins this fight. So I'm taking Jessica Andrade here. I, I just think she's a better fighter. Yeah, she's... Um... 
I just like Angela Hill because she gives me love whenever I do Ryzen fights. So, uh, and she's just funny. So I think she's hilarious. Um, heavyweight scrap, Anthony Hamilton back. He's taking on Marcel Fortuna. I'm obviously leaning towards Anthony Hamilton in this fight, despite the fact, you know, Fortuna is a heavyweight. Anything can happen. So your thoughts? I don't like this fight in the main card. I just want to say that right now. I think they should have put Tisha Torres versus Beck Rawlings on the main card instead. Um, I, I just don't think this is a very good fight. Anthony Hamilton, I know he's a former MFC champion. He's, he has a few wins in the UFC. I, I just thought sold on him as a as being that, that great of a fighter. And Mark Fortuna, I believe, hasn't even fought in like two years. So I have no idea how this fight's going to go. I, I guess I'll lean towards Hamilton right now. But by the end of the week, I might switch my pick here because uh, I haven't really did my research on Fortuna that much yet, to be honest. Well, Tisha Torres and Rawlings kicking off that Fox card, I totally get. I could also, or we could also make the argument that Tisha and Beck should be the uh, the main event for the prelims. Uh, but yeah, I, I, listen, I completely understand uh, what's happening there. And that's going to be a fun scrap. I think Tisha Torres does pull that off unless Beck can control her and take her down to the ground and put some ground and pound on her. Your thoughts? I like Tisha Torres enough. I, I, I think she's incredible. Um, that, that whole team down there, I think she's an American top team too, right? Like there's so many amazing strawweights in that, in that camp. It's like Joanna, Valerie Letourneau, uh, Tisha Torres, Jessica Aguilar. That, that, what a camp that is. Best camp in, in MMA in my opinion. And I got to deal with them every six weeks. They're hilarious. Yep. And uh, the former Black Zillions now called whatever. Uh, yeah, it's, that Florida MMA scene is – look, Adam, I'm, I'm not going to BS you. Uh, that Florida MMA scene should be exactly what we have in Ontario, but we're just not allowed to build it here. We're not allowed to have competition. We're not allowed to have fights, despite people saying it's sanctioned and regulated uh, here in Ontario. Bullshit. All right, it's it's it can't happen here. Uh, we don't have the 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 bureaucrats that run the, the the commission here and how it's just run in general will not allow us to properly promote mixed martial arts because, uh, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. I'll say it, you know, I said it in my twenties and thirties. Now I'm in my early, early forties. Uh, I'll say it in my fifties. I'll say it in my sixties. The way this province is run in mixed martial arts is pathetic. Uh, we we've lost already. We're into our second generation of fighters that we're losing, uh, because they can't, Compete here. They can't. They can't build their skill set here. We can't have amateur MMA because it's they, they. They. It's bullshit. We can't really have grassroots MMA crap. UFC is the only show really can come here, and they come here not even once a year anymore. So what you see in Florida is exactly what we could have uh, in Ontario specifically. Sorry, everyone in Ontario, but the Greater Toronto Region sucks. Can't do it. I'd love to see it, but there's so many good gyms here. But all our fighters have to go elsewhere, despite the sport being uh, sanctioned and regulated here. Sorry about that rant. Uh, speaking of guys that were training in Florida, Vulcan Uzdemir was supposed to be competing in the Titan FC uh, co-main event. He's been he was plucked, brought onto the show here. He's taking on OSP short notice, man. Very short notice, but this is a light heavyweight fight. Uh, we get to see Vulcan make his octagon debut. It will be a challenge against OSP, though. You know, I, I don't think OSP is a title contender. I know he fought John Jones last year. Didn't look good in that fight, but uh, I think he, this is the kind of guy he should be able to beat. Um, I know Uzdemir has a nice record, and, and like you said, he was supposed to fight in that Titan card last week, which we talked about, but he. You know, this is a huge step up in competition. I don't think he's ever fought anyone like OSP, even though I don't think OSP is great. He is a top 10 light heavyweight at the moment. I think OSP is going to win this fight. It's just a question of if he's going to finish the fight or win a decision. Yeah, I concur. Uh, I'm going to continue, like you said, dissect this a little further on as we get closer to the fight here because I I really like this fight. We're going to see a lot of things here uh, that we may not have seen in a long time. But moving up uh, to the third for the main event, uh, Abe Trujillo is back. He's taking on James Vick. I like this scrap, and I expect violence uh, for 15 minutes. Great fight. I love both these guys. Watching them fight, it's just a lot of fun. I'm having a hard time. This is the one I was looking at before we came on the show, Joe, and I was like, man, I really don't know who's going to win this fight. It's, it, I think it's a pick them at, at the betting window right now. So it's, it's obviously very, very close fight. Uh, man, it's tough because Vic has that amazing ground game, but trujillo has got better stand up and, and James Vic's been knocked out a couple times in his career. Um, I'm, I guess I'm going to lean towards Trujillo a little bit here. I, I think you probably catch Vic's chin, but it's tough, man. By the end of the week, I might change my mind, pick Vic by submission. I definitely think it's going to be a violent fight, though, and I don't see the fight going the full distance. Be interesting to see. Be interesting to see. I'm looking forward uh, to this one. I think there's going to be violence. I wouldn't be surprised, Adam, if it does go 15 minutes because these two guys are tough, they're durable, and they're not going to back down. Uh, and speaking tough and durable, Alexa Grasso, she's now in a co-main event for the UFC, taking on Felice Herrig. Um, 
I'm leaning towards Alexa on this one. This is going to be fantastic. I, I like Alexa here too. And, and don't get me wrong. I think Felice Herring's actually a really good fighter and extremely underrated throughout her entire career. She has way more experience too. But I think Grasso is like the next big thing in strawweight, future contender for Joanna. Um, I think she wins this fight and she probably will win a decision. Felice is extremely tough. She'll probably win a decision here, but um, this is a good spot for the UFC to, to keep building her, her star power. And, and it's, it's really smart to put her in the co-main event of this card. The main event sees the return of the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung taking on Dennis Bermudez, who's been competing uh, a bit more, obviously, than Chan Sung Jung, who's been gone for quite some time due to the military uh, or doing time um, for his military stint. Uh, your thoughts, you know, there's going to be some rust here. You know, I don't know. It's kind of going to have you wavering. But, you know, Freddie Atasau, when he won the title versus uh, Jay-Z and Titan said, you know, ring rust, octagon rust, cage rust is BS. It's not true. And I was like, and he was gone for a while. Um, so there's always that argument that it's true, that it's not true. People believe in it. People don't believe in it. But either way, a fantastic main event. Uh, it's Super Bowl weekend. Uh, and the UFC is smart in putting on these events here. It's not a pay-per-view, but it is what it is. Your thoughts on this main event? Love the fight, man. Huge Korean zombie fan. The guy's just so great to watch. Um, I was talking on my, on my Twitter last night, just going through his, his list of UFC fights. The guy had a twister over Leonard Garcia. He had that crazy knock over Mark Holmnick. He had the fight of the year with Dustin Poirier submitted him. And then he, he fought Jose Aldo, blew his shoulder out, lost the fight. And then he missed over three years because he was in the military. So that's the biggest question mark in this fight. How will he come back from that long layoff? And, I, you know, I do, I do believe in ring rust in fighters. I think that uh, it's a real, real issue, especially when you're missing over three years. I mean, that's a long time. Having said that, I'm picking Korean Zombie to win this fight, man. <laughs> I, I think he's a more dangerous guy in this fight. I think he's got more ways to win the fight. In a fi- it's a five-round fight, too. I think he's proven in the past that he can, he can go the full distance. He has really good cardio. Dennis Bermudez is, is a really, really good fighter, extremely strong. But he's a guy that he can get finished, man. He's been knocked out a few times. The Jeremy Stevens fight, he, uh, we got that, that knee to the face, got knocked out. He's a guy that the, the longer the fight goes, he can, he can gas out because of all that muscle he carries around. So uh, I'm going with the underdog here, man. I, I think Korean Zombie's going to w- get the win in, in this fight and sets him up for a really big fight in this next one. Yeah, this would be a difficult one and a challenging one to break down for yours truly when I do get my article written on on Friday in terms of fun bets and who I think can pull it off. But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's going to be a great card. Uh, six bouts on the main card. It's often pretty rare when it comes to UFC events, but it's going to be uh, a fantastic show come Saturday. Uh, before we... We let you Adam. Anything you want to say to the peeps that are listening and to those that'll be tuning in a little later on? No, just uh, just follow me on Twitter at mm Adam Martin. I'm going to have my uh, DraftKings preview for this card coming out. There's going to be some good opportunities, I think, to uh, make a little bit of cash uh, betting on this card. So definitely take a look at that. As always, thank you uh, very much for tuning in or, or joining me uh, 10 a.m. Eastern. We try and do this every single Monday. To those that are tuned in right now, thank you very, very much for watching. Uh, for those that can only catch it later on, we thank you as well. Don't forget, FightfulMMA.com for all your mixed martial arts news, articles by yours truly, and, of course, craziness by Sean Rossap, Sean Pearson, Elias Theodoro, uh, and obviously the podcast uh, with MMA, Adam Martin, and, of course, uh, Reed Kuhn. Thank you, everyone. We'll catch you guys tomorrow uh, with Elias Theodoro, likely at 3 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you follow me at Showdown Joe on Twitter. Uh, I'll give you the exact time, but as it stands right now, Elias will be available at 3 p.m. tomorrow Eastern. He is over uh, in Alberta, to my understanding, but it's Elias. We just we don't know where he's going to be till we actually till he actually comes on here. But uh, as always, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.